Hey crafty ass females, it's Kristen here with a content warning for this week's episode, Mental Health. Today, Amanda and I are discussing a lot of sensitive topics, including self-hate, body shaming, describing panic attacks, and suicidal thoughts. If this might be too much, hit stop and listen to a fave from the archives. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Crafty Ass Female Podcast, an audio show that talks about the resourceful ways we women are living our lives and the crafty projects we create in between. We are your hosts, Amanda Zampelli and Kristen Tweedale, and we believe you are a capable badass who already has all the tools you need to make beautiful things and make beautiful things happen. We're just here to remind you. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Kristen. How are you today? I'm doing good. So let's talk about mental health. Yeah, everybody's doing it. <laughs> Thankfully. Some of, us, some of us are doing it. Uh, well, we're all trying. Yeah, yeah. I feel like most people struggle, whether they say it or not, has to do with mental health. Yeah, and I think one of the things is, is that like, whether it's a day-to-day struggle or no matter what, you're going to have a hard time at some point. Yeah. So whether or not it's a chronic disorder type of thing or a mental rut that you get stuck in is what you're saying. It's like, yeah, it plays absolutely. a role. Yeah. It plays a role and everyone's felt it. I don't, you know, and it, I think people think that mental health is just the state of happiness all the time. Right. And I don't think anyone's ever felt a state of happiness all the time. Like it could also just be like mood changes also can be categorized as mental health. Like, I don't know. There's a lot of. Yeah. And especially as, um, as women who have natural fluctuations in the chemicals of our brain. Yes. On, you know, on a day-to-day basis, on a week-to-week basis, on a month-to-month basis. Um, well, okay, so like, you know, we can say that there are regular schedules of hormones, but that's, you know, that's generalizing. And for some people, those regular hormones are not regular. And that's a whole bag of worms that spills right into this mental health thing. Yeah. And you know, what's crazy is that when you think about that, like the fact that our bodies go through cycles, that hormones play a role, that chemicals in our brain and did it like all this physical, biochemical, scientific stuff plays a role. Like we as humans that aren't in those fields won't ever really know what is triggering or what is happening. You know what I mean? We sense that something's going on, but it's like, we will never really understand. Like, I feel like as women, as as people with bodies, you know, as, and, and I do feel as a part of it as like as souls living in a body, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's almost, yeah, there's, and like, right. There's no way spiritual. to like, <laughs> right, totally. Yeah. There's, there's no way to just make it a chemical thing. There's no way to just make it a physical thing. There's no way to just make it a soulful thing. It's, it's so complex and right, intertwining. And, Ever since you pitched me this mental health episode, I've been thinking of how I wanted to come back and talk about it in so many different ways. And I've, I've struggled with mental health since, I mean, since literally I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a therapist since fourth grade. Um, That's young. Yeah. So I've been on, you know, sure, like name, name a, a mental health drug, name a, a whatever. I'm sure that I've tried it at some point. Um it wasn't until, you know, recently that I got a female therapist and a female neurologist 
that I actually started to make some headway Mm -hmm. in discovering real truths about my physical body, about my emotional body, and about how my mental health ties into my physical health, ties into my emotional health. And all of those things are so intrinsically tied to my creative health as well. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk, we talk a lot about balance in life, how we want to achieve, you know, work-life balance, how we want to achieve, you know, so many different things. And we want to be in, like, harmony. And when we talk about, like, you know, mental health and, like, achieving things and being happy, when we try to try, strive for happiness... I kind of think that like happiness, when you think of it as like the opposite of sadness, that's not really, it kind of seems like such a flat emotion. Yeah. Or like an unrealistic way. Sometimes happy is in conjunction with sadness. Right. Yeah. And so like thinking of it as like harmony, like having all of these different, like crazy complex things, they need to work together. I love that. And the only way that they can work together is like in harmony. As opposed to balance, which could be interchangeable, but like, I like the idea of harmony that they're all happening at the same time, but they work. And it sounds good when you hear it. Yeah. Yeah. It feels good when it exists. Like you need to feel good. And like as someone who spends a lot of time, like especially over the course of like the last 32 years, like feeling bad, Mm -hmm. like feeling really, really, really bad, Mm -hmm. you know, when you feel good. And, like, you want to feel good. And, like, you need to work on different things to make your body feel good. Right. And I think, I don't know, for me, what I hope this episode does, when I was thinking about this episode, when I'm going to relay kind of what I've been going through and, like, you, like, been going through for years and years and years when I didn't even realize, right? So that's part of it. But for me, what I hope this episode does is just shed light on feelings and like possible causes. Because just like you just said, like, you know, when you feel good, but sometimes you can't understand when you don't feel good. Like sometimes situations aren't different or circumstances aren't different, but you just feel different and you can't, you don't understand why. But there's in my being 33 and have basically like you have felt some form of anxiety, some form of unease my entire life, some form of worry my entire life when I didn't realize that it was a thing. I didn't realize that it was something going on. Like I just, you know, it's so, yeah. So what I hope this this episode does is just shed light that if something New York Christian says feels true or you've experienced, that it could be some of the things we've learned that it could be or different resources that you could use to kind of start your process of thinking it isn't just you or it isn't just a personality trait or it isn't just that you're a worry war. Like that's what I've learned is that yeah. it is something, something is going on. And for a long time, I never had a name to it. And I just think that mental illness, like as you said, as women, right? But I feel like Yes, we as women have our own set of circumstances around mental health because our hormones and our bodies go through stuff. Probably, I would 
be safe to say like a lot more than men's do, right? Or like at least we have like a period which affects it where men's men don't, I imagine. But I feel like men with their whole, like, but as we as women are encouraged to emote, which men are not for the most part culturally or haven't been for years and years and years and centuries. So I think that's their own set of issues too, is that while we feel more because of whatever, we're also told it's okay to feel it or, or, you know what I mean? Where men That also becomes a huge problem when men are the ones in the healthcare professions mm-hmm. and they see women as um, hysterical or emotional. Yeah. And right. And emotional and not able to correctly provide factual information about their bodies, especially when it comes to pain disorders, mental illness, and all sorts of other. It's funny because I like to talk about feelings. The word feelings is, I've thought about this word a lot. I'm like, I think we throw it around a little bit, but like feelings are things that you feel. And like, if, if anyone's ever had an anxiety attack, like there are physical symptoms to an anxiety attack. You like, you feel them. Um, like for me, my skin gets tingly. Um, like, I feel like I actually want to like start like kind of ripping my skin off. Like, so I start scratching my arms. Um, like, I feel everything all over the place. Um, my legs get tingly, the skin on my black, like, goosebumps all over the place. So, like, I want us to think about the word feelings as not just, like, things that are inside our head and, like, things that are, like, you know, stuff that we're making up. Sure, it might not be based in, you know, gravity is 9.8 you know, meters per second squared fact-based existence for every single thing on the planet. But they're real. Your mm-hmm. feelings are real. Yeah. They exist as much as, like, anything else exists to you. And yeah. so don't throw them away. Um, if you don't do anything about your feelings, they're not just going to disappear. Yeah. Like, you, need, you need to to really understand that about yourself and I think it ties into what our podcast is about too because we talk about being resourceful and I think that feeling a lot of feelings is part of a creative person's makeup like a I mean it's a part of a human person's makeup but I think being creative just ups the ante of how much of how perceptive you are of how I know you've talked about how you're an empath how like so it's it really I feel like when you're creative and then ultra perceptive it only is going to create more feelings, more perceptions, more. So you're used to viewing the world in this open, like all come to me kind of way that everything will come to you, like every feeling like, so yeah. And then because you're creative, who knows what your brain is going to be capable of coming up with. So there's also that too, where, absolutely, yeah. So I feel like us as creatives, as crafty as females are even more perceptible and uh, it, it, it calls us to tap in even more to our resourcefulness. So, yeah. so, I mean, it's just a great. And then we've, in various episodes, have touched upon, oh, creative block is like a mental health issue. Oh, comparisonitis is like a mental. So in our various other episodes, we've said, this is kind of a mental health issue because it really is how we are relating 
in our minds to the world, you know, so this is like a long time coming this episode. Absolutely. And so many of us, like, we don't necessarily choose the creative lifestyle. Like, we don't choose to express ourselves through color and art. You know, that just, we have thoughts and we have feelings and we have stories to tell inside of us that we can't just say with words. We need to say with more than just the English language. Yeah. It needs to be expressed in more than just, you know, a sentence, more than just some prose. And yeah. that, you know, that comes with, you know, a lot of pressure, you know, like, we're different. It, if you're listening to this podcast, then you're probably not just a regular normie person just walking down the street trying to, you know... I don't know. I mean, get through the day. Right. Like maybe you were the person who's always fit in everywhere. And now you're just listening to us because you think we're fun to listen to. But like, my guess is that you probably didn't fit in everywhere all the time. And maybe you still don't. And that's why you're listening to us because you fit in with us. Um, and that's why you're 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 a creative person. That's why you're an artist. That's why you want to make things with your hands. That's why you are a, a crafty ass female because you're so resourceful and because you know that you're capable of amazing things and you just do it in a different way. And like that's hard to live with. It's hard to be different from the expectations that society puts on you. Like that is a burden in and of itself. Whether or not you're like an incredibly privileged person, you know, maybe you grew up in a, you know, an upper middle class family. Maybe you've had all of these things that have been given to you throughout your life. Maybe you haven't. But the burden of being even just slightly different and seeing the world through a creative lens, it's hard sometimes. Yeah. Yes. Although I think now we're, we're, we're giving more merit to that right? As a society, we're giving more merit to people that can stand out a little bit. But along the same lines of if you feel different, it can be hard. I think that mental health and mental illness is a major reason that you might perceive yourself as different, but we've never examined it. Like I feel like that, what I've learned through this is that um, part of the problem for me is I've always been so physically healthy my entire life. Like, you know, and I came from a family who would remind me of that. Like, oh, look at you. You can do sports. Look, you're so active. I Look where you came from, especially my Italian father that loves to gloat that, oh, we're so Italian and strong. And when I was young, I was, you know, so he would constantly remind me how healthy I was. And then I would see my friends who would get sick every weekend or throw up every week. And I'm like, throw up. I was like, I've thrown up twice in my life. Like, wow, I must be really healthy. So I, I feel like I grew up with this assumption that I was this pillar of health. And then in health class, they never taught you about mental illness. Like I feel like growing up in in grammar school and high school, health class was about all the physical things that could go wrong and how you can keep yourself physically. And I was like, oh, well, I don't, you know, I'm running a mile like I'm healthy. Like I just, so my point with that is if you're listening and can identify, like I never knew how to address 
health issues. I never went to the hospital. I only went to the doctor for checkups. So, so as I got older and my mental state was in such distress and a lot of it really peaked in my twenties. Like I always say my twenties were a shit show and the, the kind of reading between the lines of that is like mentally I wasn't okay. Like I wasn't okay being, you know, and I touch a lot about this in my story episode, but it was very, you know, what on the surface, what you could see shit show of things not going right and da, da, da. But under the surface, it was this mental anguish and like anxiety and worry and that wouldn't shut off, right? There were periods of it that felt like a relief but then it would come back tenfold. And this was all of my 20s. And it started, you know, from my teen years. And it, it usually surrounded a lot of transition. But what I realized is that I had no scope of what being mentally unhealthy looked or felt like. And it was what I was going through. But I had no scope that that's what it was. So I think that that was a major problem with all this and probably problem with a lot of people where they're, you know, now with the internet and social media, I feel like it's really cracked that door open, right? Where people are on the daily, I'll go through my Instagram feed and catch a meaty ass, long ass caption of how someone's struggling, right? And how mentally and da da da, and they always had it. And da-da. so I'm, I'm feeling like this is the start of the real conversation happening. Like, I think we have a long way to go, but the trend, I I mentioned this on one of my haikus for my, for my hundred days is like, I feel like the trend is to say exactly as it, as it is for you, whether it be the me too movement, whether it be like all these amazing breakout things that are people expressing how, how it is for them. So I think that's only, you know, good, but I, I feel like these wildly creative and powerful women are talking about mental health and anxiety and depression and that it's more common than we think. Like if you feel different, you're probably different the same way a lot of people are different, you know? Yeah. So that's what I think you're is probably, happening. Right. If you're like, exactly. If you're listening to this show, you're probably different in the same way that yeah. all of us, like, and so to juxtapose Amanda's story, I have struggled with my mental health since I literally, I mean, since, like, I can remember. I've been in therapists and on medication since I have been 10 years old. Um, off medication more than on medication. Um, when you needed it, you had it. Yeah. And honestly, most of the time... It wasn't the right medication because, and like, I'm just going to shit on male doctors today because that's the mood I'm in. Um, Most of the male doctors that I've had have been quick to medicate, not at all ready to listen. And that's about it. Um, My childhood psychologist was amazing. I loved him. I went Mm -hmm. to see him uh, for the time that I was in grammar school and high school. He was really, really, really good. Um, but all of the psychiatrists that I saw as a kid, they sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, I was hospitalized twice in once in middle school and once, you know, twice in middle school. Um, that sucked. It was mental illness based. Yeah. I was in, put in a psychiatric hospital twice. 
Um, you know, uh, I've had a really hard time mentally. Uh, part of it is because I'm super different. Part of it is because, you know, you know, it's just because I'm super different. Yeah, but I mean, we all feel that. I feel like we yeah. all feel super different. Or like, like, I, well, to, to kind of, what, based on what you said, I feel like A, when you were going to the therapists that didn't do anything, that was like in the 90s, right? Or you felt that they weren't helpful. I feel like... Um, well, my therapist, my psychologist was always very good. My the, the therapists that I've had have always been good. Mm-hmm. The... Um, doctors who provide the medication have right not right and it's um, probably because financially they're motivated by the medic like the medicines you know what i mean well yeah the way the way it works is that you usually get um you usually have to see a therapist uh and therapists now a days can be either um they can either have m master's degrees or phds mm-hmm. um and then they usually refer you out to a psychiatrist or depending on what your medication needs are. Some of your medication needs can be handled by your uh, general physician. So if you are just taking um, like low doses of antidepressants, which can be really helpful for people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll get into a, that a little bit later when I'm talking about my, the medicine I take, took as an adult. But um, as a teen, I was taking a lot of uh, medication. Uh, my teen years were really hard. My high school years were really hard. Um, Yeah, like that was high school was really difficult for me. I'm almost surprised that I got through high school. Um, yeah, no, this is difficult. Uh, it sounds like a survive. Like you felt like you were just had us like trying to survive it. Yeah, it was. It was a. It was a very much a matter of survival. And then I went to college. I almost didn't. Because you felt like it would be the same. Well. So I got really sick my senior year of high school and, um, like very sick. I got very sick. Uh, I don't, so to this day, I still don't exactly know what it was because, uh, multiple of, multiple doctors of mine kind of conspired. Oh my God, this sounds so, like I sound crazy. Wow. This sounds crazy. That's what this episode is for, Kristen. Um, okay. Yeah. So I got really sick. Um, I gave myself a bleeding ulcer senior year of high school like not Um, intentionally it just is what happened because of how worked up you were right and so I uh had insane anxiety couldn't go to school um like had panic attacks every morning so I was going to the doctor we got a new vice principal at the school like super was into like super disciplinarian um and he was like uh yeah Kristen you have been absent too many times we don't want you to be here anymore Meanwhile, I was fourth in my class, ready to go to, um, had already gotten all of my, uh, college acceptance letters and everything. Everything was ready to go. He's like, yeah, no, uh, you've been absent too much. Meanwhile, I was, I was like at the doctor going through all of these, um, gastro. Mean, yeah. Meanwhile, if it was, you got into a car accident and broke your leg and someone could physically point to your leg and say, look at her leg. That's why she's absent. That wouldn't have happened. You know what I mean? Which is the exactly. main, which is the main argument for mental illness. You can't see it, so people don't think it's real. They just think, yes, continue. Right. Yes. And so I was, I was at my, I was at my GP. Um, I was at the gastroenterologist. I had a whole bunch of tests done. Um, had a bleeding ulcer, uh, panic attacks every morning, and 
the vice principal is like, no, you we're kicking we're kicking you out of school. Goodbye, go away. Wow. Um, and then I like freaked. I freaked out. Like literally freaked out because all I've ever wanted to do was go to college and like leave and be something else. Like not be stuck in this stupid little town that I grew up in. Um. And so I went like to the vice principal with my parents and we're like, what, you know, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Like why, you know, I've, I literally, I mean, my GPA was, you know, above 4.0. Right. There was no concrete reason why or any pa- sort of pattern that would make right. them say it that. It was like, like literally just to make an example out of me because he mm. was the new vice principal and he wanted to be a disciplinarian. Wow. Um, yeah, I would have graduated fourth in my class. Um, so I, uh. So I went to Rutgers. I went to the university. I went to the, um, because I had already gotten in there. I got, like, literally enrolled. Everything was already done. This was in, like, March of my senior year of high school. Um, I went to the admissions department in Rutgers, and I was like, hey, um, this is everything that's going on with me. Here are all of my doctor's notes. Here is uh, what my high school is doing to me. Here is, uh, like, this this is the vice principal's letter. And the admissions guy at Rutgers was like, well, this is complete bullshit. If you go and get your GED certificate, we'll just take you. Don't worry about it. So I went and did that and uh, basically told my high school to fuck off. And I did. And um, went to college freshman year like nothing ever happened. And I just think it's a testament to, again, how stigmatized and un, uninstitutionalized, like, is that the word that, like, mental illness, illness is? Like, it needs to be greatly understood. And, like, I think it just has so much more to go to be a truly understood part of our society. That's what I think that story teaches, is that, you know, I feel like, that's so un unprofessional and unwarranted for a high school to make that kind of call, you know? It's it's disappointing at the yeah. very least. It's, right. it's disappointing that like we want to make an example out of a high performing, you know, eighteen year old girl who's ready to go off to a college that like you know it's <laughs> it's it's really funny that no one else Growing up, I really thought that I was going to be one of those people who, you know, became a lawyer or worked in an office and did, you know, the nine to five and did all those things. But, like, literally fuck all of that. For the sake I, of, for the well, sake of, like, like, relating it to high school and that it didn't work? Yeah, and that, like... All of these things that I read growing up about, like, these artists who have, you know, they didn't fit in during during childhood. They hated high school. It was, mm-hmm. like, literally torture. And then, like, they moved out of these towns that they grew up in and, and finally felt free. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. Hmm. I, like, I'm going, I mean, I'm literally going home next week. By the time, you know, this will air on Monday, I'm leaving in two days to go home. I... You know, I'm really happy to go home and see my family. I'm really happy to go home and eat the food. I'm excited to see you. Mm-hmm. I'm excited that we get to hang out. I'm excited to go see all of the New York City things. Yeah. But my God, like, 
leaving the toxic environment that I grew up in was one of the best things I could have possibly done for my own mental health. Mm -hmm. Which is so funny because when I think about mine, I kind of had the opposite, like reaction where whenever I would feel super anxious, I, I, it never, I never felt like it was from my surroundings. Like, like I felt very fostered and supported in grammar school, very fostered and supported in high school. It was all my mind. Every time I felt like anytime I went through a major transition and then where I felt like a hate, like where I felt safe when I would get in that mode would be home. Like I would want to make sure I was home, everything familiar. Like I didn't want to venture. Like for you, the venture out and the independence brought the serenity. For me, the super familiarity and, and home life brought the serenity a little bit. It's, it's funny. It's just funny how like different people. Yeah. And it's really funny how you need to figure out what works for you. Yes. Yes. But also not because I have to be careful too, because I can tr- latch too much onto that feeling of security and then not branch out so that yeah. that that for me too I have to be aware of but yeah well, I mean, see I can do the exact same thing mm-hmm. I because one of my biggest problems was and this is one of those things that I had to learn over the last two years mm-hmm. which is why um, my therapist she's amazing I love her you like, go to her now yes um I actually go I get to go see her tomorrow um and like when I was really bad like when I got here to Michigan and like I was very homesick for a while mm-hmm. when I got here to Michigan. And part of it was because I had brutal headaches every single day. Right. And when you have pain every single day, you can't have good health. You cannot have good mental health. Mm-hmm. You literally cannot be in a good place mentally mm-hmm. when you are not in a good place physically. Mm-hmm. Unless you like, you just can't, you literally cannot. Right. Because... I mean, I was, we moved here to Michigan and then I was in pain, just debilitating pain every single day. These headaches were ruining my life. Yeah. Debilitating. Yeah. And then, so I went to go see and she helped me so much with coping techniques and like just one of like uh, understanding how to learn to be a person whose life isn't fair right now Mm -hmm. and like to, to not feel shitty about that. And like to be kinder to myself. Yes. I think that sums it up right there. Like where the anxiety stems from for everybody is those two things is, you know, I think the overexposure to everyone else's life is a factor. Obviously we've talked about that before. I think expectations you put on yourself to reach timelines and checkpoints and all that good stuff that that's everybody's story now, right? I didn't think I was going to be where I was supposed to be, whatever. And then, yeah, it, then it comes from also a place of then getting down on yourself and just not pure love and acceptance of where you're at. So I think all those are the key really of underlying of what anyone's version of anxiety or depression really is. It comes from those core beliefs. Like we end up, you end up believing that, you're not worthy or whatever. So right, yeah, you end up believing that you're not worth being kind to. Right. And that's super destructive. Yeah. It causes a lot of mental disease, like yeah, dis-ease. And, yeah. Yeah. And then that's, that's, that destruction. It's so easy to pile onto that destruction. Yes. And 
But what I love is that now we are seeing these powerful, creative, crafty-ass females like coming out of the woodwork the same way we did for the Me Too movement about mental health. And I couldn't be more appreciative of that, of like finding it when I look left and seeing someone pose or look right and hearing someone's story, like it's been helping me who's been struggling. So like Mariah Carey just mentioned that she had bipolar. I saw that in the news yesterday. I was like, okay, like, here we go. Another one. Um, our girl, Allie Edwards on her wellness post wrote, um, a whole piece. I'll link to it in the show notes. I feel like these show notes are going to be packed. So if you've never visited our blog before, you know, with the post in the show notes or our Patreon, we'll have the show notes. So make sure you check these show notes out. But Allie Edwards in her wellness blog post said um, that she struggled for a long time with low, medium levels of depression and anxiety. Um, But she's just like I said, she's one of those people who has lived with it for so long that it felt more normal than it necessarily should, which Mm -hmm. again is that whole tie into like, you could be feeling these uneasy feelings for years or like fearful all the time or worried all the time or whatever it is. And it's not normal. Like there's, there's, there's an illness going on. It's just, you can't pick it out as easy as you can pick out a heart problem or, you know, these physical yeah, things. Yeah, low blood pressure. Right. It's, it's There's so, no blood test. Right. There's no blood test that's going to measure your level of anxiety. Exactly. So I love that she voiced that because I was like, yes, here's this powerful, creative woman who seemingly has it all together. Underlyingly, she's been suffering with this for years. So yes. And then my favorite, probably the queen pioneering it now is Jen Gotch. You've seen uh, from Bandeau. Do you know? Okay. Yeah. Bandeau. Now she's made the anxiety and depression necklaces and she's opened the conversation. Um, She, yeah, she's been all, I'm going to link to three separate articles that I found on just her tied to mental illness, trying to like destigmatize it. Right. And she, she, she talks about living like with anxiety and depression, bipolar, ADD. In her stories, she talks about giving herself numbers to how she feels on the scale of like one to 10. She talks about her triggers. She puts names to her symptoms. Like for me, like I just love what, like listening to other people struggle through what goes on in their mind is like a haven for me because I don't know. Like it, it puts, it lets me point to what's happening and say, oh, that could be it or that could be it. So that's what I'm hoping this does for other people. But yeah, for me personally, like I've just suffered from anxiety my whole life. Like it's mainly during transitions. So like how senior year was the worst for you, senior year was the best for me because freshman year was such a major transition that I was freaking out in my mind about it, still carried on to sophomore year. Okay, I'm kind of getting used to this in junior year. And then senior year was like this glowing light for me where I was pretty much anxiety free. I knew everyone around me. I knew the routine. Like I am a person that thrives on structure and routine and knowing what's around the corner, but still adding my flair and a new subject and like adding new in, but in this safe environment that I'm familiar with. Like that's me. So yeah. So seasons we've talked about seasonal affective disorder but yeah change seasons and now seasonal affective disorder is funny because for most people i think it happens in the winter but some people get it in the summer like depending on who you are yeah you could get it in whatever season but the season is what triggers like that's usually what they say and why that's all about and we've ad nauseum talked about our winter hell <laughs> throughout yeah. these past podcasts but yeah and so same like you, I've seen therapists because here's, here's what I, you know, here's what I want to describe it. This is how an anxiety attack for me comes on. I relate it to the Titanic, right? Something happens in my life 
where it'll be like me hitting an iceberg. I don't know if it's a trigger. I don't know if it's what. Sometimes like a trigger to me feels very instant that you can point to it and say, trigger. Like sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes I don't have something that I can point to and say, oh, that triggered me. Like sometimes it's just a gradual thing that just happens over time of a few weeks and then I feel it. So I feel like the way anxiety comes on for me is that I'll hit an iceberg, I'll get a trigger or something will happen. Then I'll feel water filling up me, but I'm still functioning. The band is still playing on the Titanic. Things around me still feel normal, like everyday routine, but something's happening. Something's building up and I can sense the buildup but there is no evidence or something, you know, like that. Then there starts to be a little panic. I start to notice the water filling up, notice I can't reverse it. And then I feel the panic coming on. Then something happens where the boat breaks. And when the metaphor of the boat breaks happens, I'm in constant fear, minute to minute, all day long from morning to night. So that's what you were talking about. I think when you were describing like constant fear, and like panic attacks I guess yeah so like when I have actual like when I have like acute anxiety attacks right that that's when the break that's what I refer to it's like acute it's like constant like my acute anxiety attacks happen and I like literally lose control of all of my mental and physical faculties yeah I'll find myself like literally huddled in the fetal position in the hallway just crying Mm -hmm. and hysterically not being able to handle anything right and like that can go from like zero to ten in a matter of like 20 minutes yes um going back to Allie Allie Edwards has a really good Facebook wellness group that she just started and um I've been on it a lot and I don't love Facebook you guys know how much I don't love Facebook but I've been chatting a lot in there recently and uh there's some really good conversations in there but um, one of the things that has been affecting me, and uh, I wish I had known this early in life, and hopefully more of us will know this as we teach our children, PMDD is a terrible thing. P-M-D-D. So um, it's like PMS, but on steroids. Mm. This is one of the things that um, I was chatting with Allie about in this wellness group. It's a premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And so right now I have this wonderful cocktail of medicines that works pretty good to prevent my headaches. Mm -hmm. Um, It also works pretty well to keep my mood stabilized. But when I don't get headaches, my moods are pretty good. Um, Before, when I was not taking medicine for my headaches, my, uh, my periods would be awful. The day, um, three days before my period and one day before my period, this, um, PMS monster, also known as, uh, PMDD would come around and it would be the, the worst depression possible. Mm. Like I would, um, no matter how good things were going, no matter how great things were going in real life, I would think that it was awful. I would definitely feel like killing myself. Like, like just straight up. I'm not like, not to be dramatic, not to just, but like, I would get 
Just a blanket of doom and sadness. Yes, and like yeah. it would be like oh, like like actual like suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. And then I would literally look at a calendar or literally go and look at the pack of birth control and see how many pills were left. Mm. And it would be like, oh, this is like some type of mental autoimmune disease Mm -hmm. where the chemicals in my brain are literally trying to attack me and tell me that I don't deserve to exist anymore. I love that you said autoimmune because that's exactly how I've felt only these past few months when it's really hit me, right? These past few months, that's exact. It feels like a thought is attacking. Like my thoughts are piling on top of each other, attacking each other. That's what I've in, in that break. And when I think of the Titanic, when the boat actually breaks and people are panicking and sinking, that's what it feels like. It feels like not a second can go by when one thought doesn't scare the previous thought that was already scary. And it's just like scary, 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 scary. And it's just, yeah. So I, I totally, yes. So that's kind of where I get. And then what ends up happening? However long I'm in that state of super panic, like this last bout, it was the first two weeks of February. Two, for two whole weeks, I was in that supreme panic state. And on the outside, I'm functioning. Like I'm looking okay, but like inside, this is what is happening. And then, then the boat goes down underwater and you're, you know, it's over, but you're underwater. So like you're treading to get back, you know? And so now it's no more panic, but now it's the aftermath and you're trying to recover. So then you're like swimming back up to the surface. And now that you're at the surface and you're catching your breath, you're exhausted. So like, that's, that's how anxiety feels for me. It builds up. I'm still, I hit it. I hit an iceberg. I hit a trigger. It builds up. I'm still functioning. I don't understand why I don't feel right. Then it peaks and it's acute anxiety. And then I try to get my, I find a way to get myself out of it, but I definitely don't still seem feel right. I look at that and go, what the hell was that? And now I'm exhausted from it. Like that's, it's, that's how it goes all that time has gone by and then you feel guilty because all that time has gone by and you should have been doing better and you could have gotten so much work done if this stuff wasn't happening to you. And like, why can't it just be like normal and what the hell is wrong with you? It wasn't even anything at all. Correct. Well, that's the thing I'm, I'm learning because I've, been seeing a therapist too when this that whole like because I've been going through that that I just described since fall Mm -hmm. into about right now like I'm I'm feeling a lot better it's getting spring I don't feel 100% at all I want to say I feel about 40% back to where I really want to get but that's tremendous progress compared to where I was two months ago so Yes. So I've been seeing a therapist. Now, what's funny is this whole anxiety episode that I described, you know, is anxiety. And I only know, I have an anxiety disorder. I've had it probably since I was five. I've had those type of episodes occur every few years since I was about five. My first panic attack, I believe, was at five, where I was at my friend's house, just like how you described tingly feeling, like Mm -hmm. I felt the blood rush to my head and like... I didn't, panic attacks have never um, manifested in me with the heavy breathing, like where I couldn't catch my breath, but almost every other symptom yeah. of a panic attack has happened where I flush, I kind of get tunnel vision, I can't, I can't perceive much around me. And I remember at five years old, like running to my mother, just having to run to my, I didn't know what was happening. So that whole episode has happened throughout my whole life. And there, 
it's an anxiety disorder. Like something's going on in my brain. Um, but just, I never knew that this, so with the therapists, um, and what's funny too, is that whole Titanic metaphor. I just want to plug Gemma Carell. She does yeah, all yeah. the cute pug. She's done like this, um, um, mental illness feels like series of like illustrations. And mm. I saw one a few weeks ago and I was like going through, I'll definitely link to it, but, um, it was a sinking shit. It was like literally what I been was describing to my therapist. Like there it was. It's just a testament to that's how everyone feels or a similar or a version of that is what everyone goes through if they have some type of mental illness, which nobody talks about because it's not as clear to explain as high blood pressure or a yeah. broken leg. So yeah. And it sounds so weird and awkward when you talk about it. It just sounds like, I mean, I've talked about it with my therapist a million times. I've tried mm-hmm. to talk about it. Like, and when you talk about it with someone who hasn't thought about it mm-hmm. and like, it's so, it's one of those things like when it's happening and then you try to describe why it's happening, that doesn't make any sense. Yes. Yes. Like, like I'll try to explain, like I have a panic attack and Jeff's like, well, I want to help. How can we, you know, mm-hmm. fix it? Like what, what is it that is going on? What, yeah. you know, what, what happens at the beginning? And then I'll try to explain it. And he's like, well, that doesn't make sense. Right. And I was like, yeah, that's the entire point. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. If yes. it made sense, it wouldn't be a panic attack. Like, right. I, I don't know. I like, this is like, this is the entire point. Right. Like if it, if it made sense, it wouldn't be happening. I would understand it and I'd be able to fix myself. Right. <laughs> right exactly. exactly. And like, and, and he's one of those, one of the other things is like, I've had to try to train him. And like, that's another thing is that you have to like, it's so, it's so difficult to try to train other people to help you with your mental illness. Right. It's so exhausting to try to train mm-hmm. yourself yeah. How to with how to deal with your mental illness to yes. try to train other people. Yes. Um that's why it's been so wonderful. I've I've brought him to some of my therapy sessions and the therapist has been able to try to like better explain. Yeah, explain better. to yeah. him as like a human who's dealing with the situation as opposed to like me trying to explain right. to him your as partner. like yeah. <laughs> this other thing. Yeah. Cause like I mean that's the bottom line is like you are experiencing something as a human being that like again goes back to this biochemistry shit that like we don't understand and yeah. like sure you can grab yourself a biochemistry textbook but like odds are it was you know the the research was done 15 years ago by a dude right. who doesn't know right. anything about like you and your body and uh, or you and your mind because it's yeah. true even though like i'm sure everyone who has mental illness and has anxiety disorders gets the same kind of symptoms, but the details of each of the symptoms depends on the person. So that's the context. Yeah. Because what I'm afraid of is different from what you're afraid of is different from what they worry about is different from what's on their mind and their experience. So yeah, the fact that everyone's different, even if you've had anxiety, you still might not understand everyone's particular cocktail of anxiety like it's true absolutely do you have anything that like helps you like do you have um so I made a bag for myself I have a tote bag in my room of like these are the things that help me I have a a full water bottle in there Mm -hmm. I have a little pillow that looks like a tear that I can just like squeeze like um like a a squeeze ball yeah but the little pillow is really cute um I have flashcards that have big um big things on them that my therapist wrote like uh you know are you hungry are you uh did you do you like do you have a physical thing 
that you didn't take care of? Right. Like, did you not get enough sleep? Did you not get enough to eat? Did you not, like, are there things that you can take care of that will, you know, Mm -hmm. regulate the chemicals in your brain that could at least help? Yes. And I think that's part of, too, that whole notion of go down the checklist. What can you actually try and tweak is a major mental, uh, like strategy because when you're, you feel so debilitated in the moment of anxiety or depression that you literally can't get up. You literally can't fathom a thought of like, what do I do? I'm going to die. Like that's how you feel. So just having a checklist of, you could try this, you could try this, you could try that. And even if it's something tiny, like even me, when I was going through that, I was like, tweak your fucking caffeine intake like now. Like to me, that was something that I was like, one cup, not three. Like try that. It it mentally makes you feel like, all right, I'm working on this. Like even if you're not, like, or to go for a walk. I would usually get myself out, go for a half hour long thing. Um, Yeah. So I mean, well, your checklist kind of sounds like it was real things you had to check. But for me to have a checklist to feel like I am tweaking something is a good mental strategy for me because it makes me feel productive even though I physically can't be productive, you know? I don't know. But I do have like other things that help. But see, the thing with me, what I I realized with the therapist is (sighs) because... He, uh, my, my, what ended up happening because I did go through a bout of this, I did go through an anxious episode these past few months. It's happened since fall 2017, kind of into now. The last time it happened was four years ago when I was in very similar circumstances. We've talked about this. Yeah. We're like, I was breaking up with my then boyfriend. I had mm-hmm. quit teaching. I tried this graphic design, but didn't have a job in it. Didn't know. So a lot of things, when things for me are tossed up in the air and I don't see where they're going to land, that's like almost the iceberg. That's the trigger that starts festering all these weird feelings. So yeah. So my therapist, what they made me, what he made me kind of like what he pitched is that OCD is a form of anxiety, right? And growing up, again, all I knew of OCD was the people that did rituals. repeatedly. Did repeated rituals, turned the lights on and off, tapped things, checked things, like washed their hands. I always knew that like germs was a big OCD thing. OCD, according to my therapist, which he enlightened me to, O stands for obsession. So if there is literally anything, there's a for, there's a strand of OCD that again can take on many forms. That's called pure O. Like if you are purely obsessional in worry in certain things, then you have OCD. But it's called pure. Like you're not compulsing. You're not compulsed right. to do certain things. But sometimes you'll have mental compulsion. So you'll either you know retreat or avoid or like again, those are not things that you can physically pinpoint as a tap. Right. So, but it's still a compulsion that you take on. So that's a lot of what, you know, I have this form of OCD where I obsess when I, I obsess on thoughts constantly. And, and even if you're a person that your incessant negative self-talk doesn't shut up, the possibility is you could probably have an anxiety disorder that is this obsessional type of thinking. And then there are things that can help like cognitive behavioral therapy, like things that you can try to quiet the obsessions. Or my therapist recommended a book called uh, Brain Lock. 
And it's basically that, how to deal with obsessional thinking or compulsions. And, and the main point of brain lock is you kind of retrain your brain, like when you feel something coming up, to relabel it. And the whole book talks about li- literally the physical impairments that are going on in your brain. Like they took brains of a normal person and a brains of a person with OCD. And so you saw the physical chemical difference. So part of it is like you, you relabel what it is. You say, oh, that's my OCD. So the fact that you relabel it, you don't attribute it to be it being yourself or a personality trait, or like you separate it and disconnect it from yourself. So you say, oh, that's my OCD. You relabel it. Then you reattribute it. You go, oh, that's because my brain is made up different because you read in the book about different, the way your brain is different. So now you have a thought pattern and words to speak to reattributing what's happening, right? And then you refocus. So like you're saying, reach, like go down your list, check what you, it could be. So, or, or tend to a task like gardening or crafting, right? You're refocusing your energy of your brain into a productive, like actual thing. Like that's another part of this is that a lot of my mental illness is purely in my mind. There's nothing that I can hold on to physically that creates this kind of reaction. It's purely in my mind. So when I refocus onto something I can hold and, and a job I could actually do, it helps. And then because of those three things, because you're relabeling it as OCD, reattributing it to the stuff that's happening in your brain, refocusing your energy, you revalue or like devalue the fear that happens with the thought. You know what I mean? So like that book was helpful in training me cognitively to kind of do that. See, now I feel like I sound crazy because when you try to talk. No, that sounds amazing. But when you try and talk to it, it sounds so hokey because that's what happens, you know? <laughs> like when, like you're saying, when you try to explain it to someone and they're like, really, you have to go through all that just because of a thought in your brain? And you're like, yes, I do. Yes, I you do. Know? Yes, I do. Yeah. So Brain Lock was a great book. Um, meditations helped me, right? Because it's again, trying to quiet all the chatter and trying, trying to quiet all the, um, obsessional thinking. So meditation helps. And I, to be honest, it didn't help at first, right? You read about it, you read what it's supposed to do, but that is something that has to be practiced. I started meditating four years ago when the anxiety really peaked. And four years ago when I was 29 was my first encounter with a therapist. So you saw one back in your childhood, but I never did. Like, again, it was that culture in my family of you're healthy, you're fine, you're functioning, you're, you're, you, you don't get sick. Like, and and side note, both of my parents need a hell of a lot of therapy. Like they have, it's funny because they always say like, you know, this kind of thing is passed down from parents who also needed therapy. You know what I mean? Like it's always passed down. Like I'm also taking on my parents' burdens. You know what I mean? We all take on our family's set of burdens because if they didn't work on them and they didn't get help, then they're no doubt going to keep living with them and they're going to be passed on to us. So that's kind of where I'm at. Like they never saw therapy for their issues. So I was never told it was okay to see therapy for mine. And then four years ago when it just reached this peak and reached this level that it never did before. And the only thing I could say was, well, you've never seen a therapist on it. Maybe you can try that. That's when I first saw 
a therapist, but he got me into meditation. And only four years later now, when I kind of reintroduced it for this round of my anxiety disorder, did I really feel it working or like I started practicing it four years ago and then didn't need it in between because I really did feel this high in my life with my boyfriend John being new and my new job with Happy Planner and the new apartment. Everything seemed to be going well that the anxiety literally was squashed. Like I thought I had mastered it. I thought like there was times the past three years when I was so high on life and feeling good, like really good, better than I ever felt in my whole entire life, that I would try and get the anxiety built up. Like I was almost like, okay, let's try and feel anxious. And I couldn't, like I literally couldn't. I thought I mastered it. And then, like I said, like this fall with the circumstances being what they were, it started to creep. And I think that's why it really was hard for me this time because I thought I mastered it. You know what I mean? I, I, it's, it's such a weird thing, but meditation this time around has helped. I have done Oprah and Deepak's 21 day. I've mentioned that before. I'll link to that. There's a podcast called live awake where it's basically that a guided meditation. Her voice sounds like this and she's so soothing, you know, and she talks about, you know, trusting the universe and, uh, like all this good centering true self type of talk, which, if it help, and again, it's one of those things where no, if it's going to help you, my sister swears that meditation would just make her feel worse. So I say, okay, stay away from it. But for me, it's that kind of holistic mind, body, spirit type of practice that it does make me feel better. That kind of thing resonates with me. Yeah. So. Um, there are a couple different things that I do. So sometimes I can't do any type of silent meditation. Silent is hard. Do- so I need to do it with um, music. So for uh, February and March, I did my 28 Days of Kanye West. Yes. I put on my, my two Kanye songs, and those really helped. And, like, sometimes I let my mind wander, and that's really helpful. Yeah. Sometimes I find I need to make my body move to get out of my head. So I'll put on music and concentrate on just making my body move. And won't let thoughts come into my head. And so like start with like just I have the standing desk here. So it's easy to just kind of put on a song and like either start from the bottom or the top and just just kind of in like a modern dance sense. Yeah. Um, Stretch kind of. Yeah. Very, very, very in that like right in that that stretching sort of ballet point your toes angle your arms. And is it just because you're being like. um immersed in the song so that it just like you feel like you're you know in the moment yeah and it it helps me feel connected to my entire body and like instead of um like I'll do I'll do it a lot when I'm feeling like I don't know what I'm doing or I feel like I have I'm super overwhelmed or like I'm standing at my desk and there's 50,000 things going on and I'm like, I don't know where to go next. I don't know what to do. I need to like, I just need a reset. Yeah. Um, so one of my favorite songs to do this to is, um, Marion Hill down. I don't know it. Okay. You probably do. Hmm. You've probably heard it before. It's definitely been in a thousand commercials and all of these different things. Hmm. Um, and also the video, they just do all sorts of modern dance things. So like, It's just one of those um, songs where you can just kind of, like, 
it just feels very natural to to move your entire body in that mm-hmm. very limber way mm-hmm. and then don't like I find it very easy especially for that song specifically to get out of your head and get into the rest of yourself mm-hmm. and I think that kind of brings us back to a little bit of like you need to in order to keep your mental health and like it's such an ongoing thing it's not like you know I have a mental health issue I'm going to fix it and then right. it's going to be fine right it's it's like your physical health you have to it's something you have to maintain yes yeah and And like one of the biggest things like and this is something that i have to remind myself constantly my therapist has to remind me jeff has to remind me and so i have to remind all of you (laughs) you have to be kinder to yourself yeah my therapist tells me that every session where they say give yourself a break and it's yeah you just you just need to be kinder to yourself like why are you beating yourself up like i have this tendency to push myself in ways that i shouldn't even though i might be enjoying myself like working until two o'clock in the morning because i'm working on something super exciting and fun and i really want to get it done before i go to sleep right um but, like, that's going to make everything else, like, really shitty for the rest of the week. Yeah. Like, then I won't get up in time and I'll start my day or with a headache Or if you do the that, day. then make sure the next day is full on all for Kristen and whatever she feels like she needs. Like, it's, it's that right. again. Like, you, you did that hard work. Good job. Now give yourself a break. Like, right, yeah, you need to be yeah. able to schedule kindness to yourself. And, like, mm-hmm. if that's coming here and being on the community with us, like... That's, you know, that's why we're doing this thing. That's yeah. why we have this episode is that so you know you're not alone. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head for me. Like this round of anxiety, this past few months episode, hit me the hardest because like you said, I thought I was over it. But what I realized is I have a mental illness. Like I have an anxiety disorder and it, it shows up, it knocks on my door whenever it wants to, usually in the same set of circumstances when things aren't going my way or whatever, but it's something I'm always going to deal with and it's okay. Like that's where I'm getting at. Like it's okay. Like Jen Gotch does such a good job of just literally it's, it's part of my daily routine sometimes. And sometimes I'm up and sometimes I'm down, but it doesn't define me as a person. It's just something I'm dealing with, which, which I think that kind of mental talk and knowing that for sure helps me to give myself a break and helps me to calm down. Just calm, I, like my boyfriend sometimes, like we, he'll try to solve problems and stuff and he goes, you know, this and that. And, and what about you and the job and, you know, whatever. And I go to him, I just need to stay calm right now. Like I try and talk to him and that like my main priority is keeping my goddamn self calm. Like, yeah, because if I'm not calm, nothing else will get done or accomplished or I won't try. Like it'll just right. If you aren't taking care of yourself first, there's no way you can take care of anything else. Right. And it's funny because I think like a lot of my friends who have kids don't understand my level of a worry b like you know what i mean like they feel like what really is happening in your life that is so distressful but it's all here it's all meant it's all in my mind like like right i'm 10 sometimes i feel like i'm more worried and exhausted than they are <laughs> you know and right. they have and it's, children it's... to worry about i'm like oh my god and then i and then i feel guilty because i go what is my problem i'm complaining about 
you know, my worry, and they have actual little children to worry about, but it, I understand now that it's it's because I'm struggling with this thing. Right. It's this thing that, like, is in so many ways out of your control. Yeah. And you need to find ways, and, like, there, you need to find ways to put it in your control and make your life about, you know, It's so hard. It's so hard it's to It's like put it managing. In... It's getting, just getting better right. at managing it. Yeah. Right. Like coping techniques yeah. so that when you're put in a position of, you know, my body is acting out, like my body is being a rebellious teenager of like, well, that's out of my control, but I'm going to put myself in a situation that until it stops, I'm along for the ride. Yes. And it's not going to destroy me. And what's so exhausting, I think, about mental illness and I can, I really want to sum up mental illness as like a creative disease because I feel like people are who are creative. Because the thing is, when you finally find a coping mechanism, this has been my experience. When you finally land on something that works, because because like OCD and anxiety and depression and all these mental things are like an autoimmune. Once you've mastered a point of it or found a coping, found a way to cope with a point of it something trumps it like it's it constantly attacks itself like yeah, that's it's what i find attacking you yes so i feel like that's the exhaustion part of it is that once you feel like oh okay i got a handle on this today tomorrow a new version will find its way to attack you like that's yeah. so that's how so then you have to find a new way to call so for me you have to be resourceful you have to be resourceful and it's a constant resourcefulness there isn't yes. like and because we're creative we i think the creative part in our brain that subconsciously make like i feel like our creativity could be bad because it it finds new ways to attack itself that and then because we're creative and we're used to problem solving and we're so capable in our lives in other areas we feel that we need to problem solve it all the time that it's like right. and there's so there's a level of it that you need to give grace and forgiveness that I can't solve this problem right now right now it's at the peak right now the autoimmuneness of it is just out of control but yes that's what I, that's that's exactly it that you keep coping and you need to find ways but it's like a never ending plight <laughs> Yeah, uh. I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. So, the, okay. So, getting back to ways that have helped, and just another thing about meditation that I want to say. My sister, the same way, she goes, "Oh, I don't think meditation would ever help." I go, "Okay, if you're not there yet, fine. Find other ways." So for her, she goes, "I love Home Goods, right?" And my sister is a completely different person when she's in Home Goods. I, I she is Zen master. In home goods, she walks those aisles. She technically floats. Nothing else is on her mind. Like she, so that's like retail therapy, right? Just like, but even yeah. if she doesn't buy anything. She just loves home things. She loves imagining, imagining them in her life, right? So, but I tell her, and things like even dancing, like when I'm immersed in a song, right? Or, or in the moment activities, right? That's what I define them as. They're very meditative. Even crafting, when you're in the moment and crafting, it's it is very meditative. But what I've found, because meditation works for me in a different way, where meditation calls you to be, even if it's guided, it calls you to be with nothing but your thoughts. So you're learning as they come up to use your thoughts to help your thoughts. So in that way, 
meditation by itself is activating your brain where when you don't have something to latch on, whether it be a a song or an item on a shelf or this project I'm working on, like I feel like those are very dependent on the things in front of you, which are perfectly okay, which are great refocusing tools. But I think meditation gives you an extra level to learn how to access that when there's nothing around. Yes. So that's what I wanted to say about meditation and where I find it's helped me is that when a meditative session, and I usually only do it for tops 20 minutes. I'd start at five minutes. I worked up to 10. But when I'm in the zone and good, and and usually uh, Oprah and Deepak's guided ones are 20 minutes. So in those 20 minutes, I'm accessing parts of my brain that when I feel anxious somewhere else, not at home, it helps me to access it then too. Yeah, because I can't, you know, so that's helpful. That's another one of the um, the coping techniques I learned at therapy was when I would get these, you know, we'll call them bad thoughts. Mm-hmm. When it's like, oh, Kristen, you're terrible. Kristen, right. you're not good at this. Kristen, um, my therapist would say, you know, acknowledge those thoughts. Mm-hmm. Don't just push them away because then they'll just come back. Mm-hmm. Acknowledge them and say, okay, that thought exists. But I'm not giving you any time. I'm not giving you any importance. I'm not giving you any weight. Right. You don't do anything for me. Right. And so then it just kind of gets, you know, shuffled along like another piece of paper would mm-hmm. in your head. Yeah. And that, it's it's hard to do. Well, that's cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah, and, and if you're not, if you're exhausted from keep trying to do it, Yeah. But it gets easier. Right, but it gets easier. It's like anything to practice, totally. Yeah, it's, it's, and then, and I think that's the biggest thing. Like, that's one of the biggest things that, like, I really want us to, like, get across. Yeah. Is that this shit is hard, but it gets easier with practice. Like, these are not things that you're supposed to know how to do. You don't just, like, get born and, oh no, you are perfectly, you know, you know how to do this. Yeah. This is stuff that you need to learn how to do. This is stuff that, like, you need to practice. Mm-hmm. This is stuff that like people go to college and get master's degrees and then go and do continuing education classes on the weekends to teach people how to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, 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 it's hard and you need to practice how to do it. So if you don't know, or you're struggling, like good, that's, right. that's, that's normal. Because I think our, the women listening, our generation, this time in history is the cracking open. Like that, that's just the image that I have for it. Because I do feel that we should grow up learning this. Like we right. have physical education in school. Like why don't we have mental education? Why don't they have meditation sessions with children? Why don't we talk about, hey, you're in fourth grade. You might have a thought that freaks you the fuck out. It's okay. Yeah. Like, like, like I think now I think about me teaching, right. When I was a teacher and how, if I were to ever go back to teaching, like I would bring home the point for kids that feelings are going to hurt. And sometimes you'll have some that don't, you can't make sense of, and that's okay. Tell somebody, tell somebody right now. I'm really, really afraid. And I don't know why, like, I feel like that would help me tremendously as a child. Like, yeah, no, dude, that helps me tremendously as an adult. Yeah. yeah. But I think we're at that point and it's our generation who's going to start. Like you just said, we don't learn this as we don't learn this growing up. I think we're going to start. 
I think we like need we, to. Yes. And I've thought about this as my future as a mother, like just to coax my kid every day through their feelings. <laughs> like, yeah, just through their feelings. But yes, meditation. I have down here plants. I'm yeah, sure you could help. speak to that. I have like a whole list of things that kind of I tap into when I'm feeling super anxious. But plants, yeah, I think the the graphic, I mean, it's already past now that we're having this episode, but the graphic I'm going to choose for it is a plant. Yeah. I have um, like a little plant. Growing plants is insanely helpful for me, especially from seeds because they change every day. Yes. And you know that you started, you know where they started. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. like um, there's this uh, plant market in Detroit every Memorial Day weekend. It is amazing. It's incredible. It's got like, you know, there's like seven huge ass pavilions. It's like one of the biggest plant markets in the United States. It only happens Memorial Day weekend. So I'm going there. And uh, last year I found two very special plants. I found a San Marzano tomato plant, which made the most incredible San Marzano tomatoes. Um, And then I found this holy basil plant. So most holy people basil. Can, yes, holy basil. So most people have um, Thai basil. If you go to Thai restaurants and you get a pad kra pao, it's a basil dish. You can get it with basil chicken. It's like my favorite Thai dish in the entire world. Most places use Thai basil because that's very ubiquitous around here. Um, but you're supposed to use holy basil. No one are, no one has holy basil. Holy basil is the most incredible fragrant you can make perfume out of it mm. it smells it's it's just insane it's just like it like really something else wow. and and i found one plant at the detroit plant market last year it was like literally one if i had two i would have bought two they only had one and so i grew it last year and then um i cut the flowers off at the end of the season and i crunched it up so i could take the seeds out and so i got like 20 seeds ah. and I put them in to Germany last week and they all started to grow. Mm. And my goal this summer is to just grow thousands and thousands oh, of my this. Because I just want it's, I want everyone to have it. I just want everyone to have it because like it smells so good and just being around it, you can cook with it. It's just the Thai people know what they're doing. Holy they basil. Really do. <laughs> it's so, so like grow plants. Yeah. Because like, I mean, yeah, yesterday I just – Yeah, yesterday uh, – two nights ago, my sister and I, we do our, like, up-the-block walk to CVS, right? We've been doing it for years. So whenever we don't know what to do in my mom's house, we're like, CVS walk? Yeah, we, it used to be a blockbuster walk, but now we know what happened to that. So now we walk to CVS, and CVS now has these cute little, like – grow kits right of like nice. grow this flower so I was like I, I didn't particularly like bond with any of them but then I saw at the back of the shelf this little lavender grow kit Aww. and I'm like lavender I love the smell of lavender I'm like let me so I put the seeds that it gives you like two pods of dirt that once you put the water it like expands it like puffs yeah. up that was it I all you had to do was buy this thing I poured it um, and plant my sister and I have like these, I'm just, but if I tell you in the 10 minutes it took to puff up those pods and plant the seeds, how calm and serene and hopeful, I think there's a level of hope that goes yeah. into planting. Like never realized it before. My sister got me, um, a fiddly fig plant for my birthday, just watching two 
leaves pop up from that for no reason. Like it hasn't been spring, but like it's a, such a hopeful feeling that growth happens and nature teaches you with time. And like if you have anxiety, I think plants are like just a great visual reminder that of hope, you know? Yeah. And they give you uh, better oxygen. Oh, yeah. Totally. Totally. Good so. point. Yeah. So planting big one. Cooking, I know for you. Again, it's another one of those, like, look what I can make from raw materials, like crafting, you know. It's a sense of accomplishment and hope. And being nice to yourself. And nice and self-care and deliciousness, right? Yeah, good (laughs) food. Yeah. So that's one of those things, like, it's it's good to prepare. Mm Mm-hmm. And then that's that bonus thing of like, you're making good food for yourself. So you're going to physically feel better. You're going to yeah. mentally, like it just, it's like power up to like all of your, your stats. Yeah. Yeah. So I find out, and it's funny because a lot of these things are quiet home things. Nowhere on my list is like browse Instagram. You know what I mean? <laughs> or like, it's all ways to be more in touch with yourself. It's true. Yeah. Like. I said less caffeine too because I notice when I get up to the three cup mark in coffee that my anxiety tends to spin out of control. So I can't completely nix it. But if I'm down to a cup or a cup and a half, it usually helps me. Um, And again, outdoors, movement, running helped a lot. Um, And I wrote here too, believe it or not, research. When I was like in that peak acute panic it got to a point where like I couldn't even watch TV without being afraid of something on television. Like it really didn't make any sense. And what was scared this scary this time around is like I was doing the podcast with you, right? Like I was I was I was going to work, I was waitressing, but it was like in my alone time. Like when I would when I knew I had to go to work, I was feeling afraid. When I was knew I had to stay home, I was feeling afraid. And since I got the apartment three years ago, I've only had good experiences in it. And this was the first time that being home just started to feel scary. Don't even know why. Again, it was just the state of my mental state where I was at. But the only thing that would make me feel better is when I researched anxiety disorder, when I read people's stories about how they felt. There was this really good one that was like, what it feels like to live with severe anxiety. And I read that one over, it was literally this woman writing an article, like recounting how she felt. And I read that over and over again. And when I was done, I was like, okay, it was literally the only deep breath that I could have taken. Me and you doing the podcast was great distraction. I really felt um, like I was productive and doing the right thing. So that was good too. But those were like the only two things. I, browsing Instagram caused me anxiety. TV caused me anxiety. Going to work caused me anxiety. Staying home caused me anxiety. The one good thing is I've always, I was always reading that uh, a lot of people with anxiety can't go to sleep. That's when their anxiety like peaks and they just yeah. have insomnia. The complete opposite happened for me. I think I was so exhausted from the mental thinking all day that once it came time to sleep, I was out. Yeah. So like I was really grateful for that because I was sleeping a lot. And then what was happening too, I was waking up, w- being up for an hour and then going back to bed. I was just mm-hmm. like, so I was like, yeah, it's kind of a depression symptom when you're exhausted. But yeah, yeah. I'm sure the winter that has been going on for seven months has not helped with that. <laughs> seven months too. I, we, uh, got, we got 12 inches of snow one week in October and yeah. we're slated for another episode. I mean, it's gonna. This is gonna come out on Monday. We're slated for snow on the day that this comes out. So I like it's, ew. ew. I, we th- we've come out with twenty two episodes of this podcast, and it's been winter the entire yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, it's not 
fair. Yeah, it has. I, we are going to be great summer podcasters, I, I predict. If we could get through 22 episodes of Winter I, Hell. It's crazy. Yeah, just imagine how good our podcast will be when we're happy. In the summer. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. But yeah, so research. Research and reading other people's stories helped. Animals help if you can spot one, like Chip, out your window. Yeah, no, Chip has been invaluable. (laughs) Or cuddle my cats like I do. And then time, dude. I just put time. because Yeah, so I found this um, in my Tiffany group. Tiffany had a really great quote from Carl Jung. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it tied in exactly to what you were saying before. The quote is, the greatest and most important problems of life are all, in a certain sense, insoluble. They can never be solved, but only outgrown. Yes. It's like, I think that's one of our big, big problems when we get like these anxious moments of like, we need to solve this problem right now. Yeah. And like so many of our problems are not like we're, and then it's like another thing is that we're crafty ass females who are resourceful. Like, Mm -hmm. so we problem solve. Yeah. Let's solve this problem. How can we solve it? You know? Yeah. You know, step one, step two, step three solved. Mm -hmm. But like so many of our internal problems are not meant to be solved especially like for me this is one of those things that I learned these these PMDD moments Mm -hmm. these anxiety caused by my hormone fluctuations Mm -hmm. those aren't problems to be solved right they're problems to be ridden out yeah and so like I need to like write down on my calendar of Kristen on this day your body is going to tell you that it hates itself yeah be prepared for that and ignore it. Yeah. You know, don't plan any big decision making right. on these days. Right. Like, and I think this is one of the hardest things to learn is like, know what's going to happen. Like, try to be like, it, it sucks to live in this state of like, depression, this state of anxiety. But the more that you can kind of be self-aware of it. Yeah the more that you can plan for when it's going to happen in the future. Yeah. And the more that when it does happen in the future, you can kind of be prepared for it. Yeah. Like if you know that you need chocolate for PMS, if you know that you need a special type of way to take care of yourself for when that happens, like be prepared. Um, I, I don't like, I stopped drinking soda because it, is not awesome for my headaches. Mm-hmm. And also it's not just, it's just not awesome for me. It's, but it's like, that's my treat. Yeah. I would rather have like a, a, a can of soda or like a 20 ounce than like almost any other, other dessert. And like, I only crave it right before my period. Right. And so like, instead of like saying no soda, never, ever, ever, I'm never going to get to that. I know that I'll just let myself have one. I'll ask Jeff to bring one home from like a drive through mm-hmm. or grab a little 20 ounce at the grocery store on right. those days. And like knowing that I'm going to allow myself to be kinder to myself when I need, like that's a place where I can be nice to myself mm-hmm. and like giving yourself like little treats like that, knowing like, okay, I'm going to sleep in yeah. on a day or I'm going to schedule myself for a massage. Right. Um, it doesn't even have to be like monetary, you know, mm-hmm. come and hang out. Um, and just, you know, do some craft time. Yeah. Read I feel, a book. Right. I feel like that's where hobbies are good because when you're self-aware that these types of patterns or you could be in a funk or whatever, hobbies and crafts like are a way or any type of activity participate in that anchors yourself to you. 
because I feel like when these intrusive thoughts or like all the, like these weird feelings and emotions come to play, it, what really is happening and why we panic is because it takes us away from ourselves. But if you have these, like you're saying self, if you're self-aware to know how you can fight it or what you'll need to have in place to do the best you can with it. Or if you have these like hobbies and crafts and projects and things that you can anchor to that makes you feel like you, like, I think that's part of a part of this whole episode, this past episode for me is that I haven't danced since summer and yeah. dance for me. It's, it, it's been because I've been doing shifts at waitressing and at the money issue to pay for the classes, you know, but I need to go back because it's, it anchored me to my soul. <laughs> so it, yeah. it would, so if I would feel up in the air or afraid or anxious, it would always bring me back to this safe place of who I was. Like, you know what I mean? So Absolutely. It, and you have this like thing on your schedule that you can look mm-hmm. forward to. And it's like, okay, yes. I'm feeling, I'm feeling kind of, you know, down right now. I'm feeling like I'm having a hard time getting through this right now, but I have this thing to look forward to. It gets me, you know, up. and my it gets me soul feeling it. and my soul shows up. You know what I yes. mean? No matter what's happening, my soul, the core of who I am shows up there so I can go, oh, hi, there you are. Like, you know what I mean? When, yes. And that's so hard to find when you're in the middle of a severe depression or in the middle of severe anxiety. It's like you're numb. It's like you're numb to yourself. Absolutely. That so, numbness is absolutely the right word. Yeah. Yeah. Numb. <sighs> numb is a telling thing because that it really shows you like you're in it. Like right now you're going through part of your disorder or part like that. When I right, feel yeah, numb, it's not even it's that like, sadness anymore. Yeah. You don't, you're too sad to even be sad. Yeah. It's like, well, it doesn't even matter because mm-hmm. nothing matters. Yes. Yes. So yeah. And then the last thing I had on my list was just, cause it's been a new one for me where we've listed all these things that kind of help affirmations obviously have always been there. Motivational quotes are like the Instagram post, right? But I've only recently with my new therapist, who's a woman who, you know, you mentioned male and women. My, my first therapist I've ever gone to was a man, an older gentleman who helped me tremendously. I feel like he really got me out of the great anxiety of 2014, you know, but, and I went back to him initially in December when I started, when the water started flooding and I started feeling it coming on. But I since there's a woman like right up the block from me where that I did the research and she's holistic. We meditate together. You know, she does, she's a lot more mind, body, spirit than my other therapist was. And she recommended that book that I mentioned in the, in, I think the last episode, it was for when we talked about mirrors for the, oh, selfie the mirror episode. one. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You can heal your life. I think it's called, and it's by Louise Hay. But she's big on affirmations. At the end of every chapter, she has this like 20 line kind of affirmation. It's sound, it doesn't, it's not a prayer, but it sounds like something you can tell yourself. Oh, that reminds me of something else I wanted to bring up that's super important. But yeah, she, so at the end of every chapter, she, whatever she talked about in the chapter, she goes through this affirmation, but every single one starts off with, like this in the, in the infinity of life where I am all is perfect, whole, and complete. And then she goes through the affirmation, you know, of whatever the topic was. And then she ends it with all is well in my world. 
And she talks in the book about, I read the whole book by now, but she says how you're supposed to read that book is read it through and then go back and each chapter stop, spend a week with that affirmation for the chapter. But every affirmation starts and ends the same way where you're reminding yourself And that's another thing about affirmations is I used to think they were pep talks, right? Like, it's like, oh, I'm going to do a big speech now. I'm good. I can do it. Or like the help, like you is good. You is smart. What is it in the help? Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I always thought that that's what affirmations were. They were things you would call upon when you need them. But the way that she talks about it is like, and she's real holistic as she talks about doing things while looking at yourself, while touching your neck. She has this whole part of the book that for every, she says, every single physical body condition can be improved with a mental affirmation. So she says, and she, she has a list in the back of the book that's like, your ear hurts. That's because you don't want to hear something that, try this affirmation. I can hear. And then she, she literally gives you a mental sentence to say, to try and fix that earache. Like, it's amazing. It's, it's a really interesting book. But so how she makes you think of affirmations is you need to hold your neck in some time. Like, you need to look at yourself in the mirror, hold your neck, and train yourself to believe the words. She's like, so it's just a whole new way for me to think about them, you know, where you're not just trying to pump yourself up for something. It's you working into your psyche and your soul these words and the words so it's much a longer term solution than a short term fix right and correct and so yeah i don't know you know i just breathe out because it's like that's what i need to practice and then on that note i referenced as well it was also in the last episode the selfie episode um erin little who she took that portrait of herself and said a year ago, that's, this yeah. was me and I didn't know. She, she took that portrait to reference a podcast episode to which she talked about her abusive relationship. And I listened to that whole podcast episode. I will link to it. But somewhere toward the end of it, she talked about how she got into this habit of keeping a journal and writing to herself as if, you know, not saying, and this has been a mental practice, I know, but not saying, I hope that I get this or one day I will, but talking to herself in the journal as though these things are givens. These things are non-negotiables, right? That she says, I am powerful. I'm rich. I will have a bit. So it's in the same way. And in the podcast, she talks about how she was, you know, she broke up with her abusive, I don't know if they were married, husband or boyfriend, whatever, but and how she was getting to a point where she was imagining herself with a new partner and how she would say, I hope he has this and I wish that he has this and he should have and he, he, he. And she goes, I was finding myself coming up empty because what I realized I was doing is I was projecting. It was, I was writing as though I wanted him to fulfill. She goes, once I started writing where I was going, I am a capable person. I have a mate. And she started using it in as though she was living it. She goes, then literally after doing that, I found him like a week later. So it's like, it was, it it was at the same time as I was reading this book, the same time as I was hearing about this new way to perceive affirmations. And then I came across her podcast and was hearing her say that. So it was like multiple ways that the universe was saying like, this is a new thing you can try, like, or, or we should as people like, and there's also tests to teachers leading their young 
class with every morning. I am this, I am strong. I, you know, you've seen that on, you've seen those YouTube kind of videos and there's something to it. It puts in your mind and your psyche. And when you say positive things or affirming things, I don't even want to say positive because I don't really like positive quotes, you know, when they don't sink in. Affirmation is like when you affirm that it's happening, like positive things, it changes the chemistry in your brain. Like positive affirmations change the chemicals that your brain puts out, which then only can change your physicality and your mental state of being. So that's what I'm learning. That's what I'm learning about affirmations. And it, I needed to, it couldn't have gone unsaid because it's an, I think it's my newest tool of all the things that I've kind of mentioned. Those are like my newest tool. Yeah. I think those are all amazing. OMG. <laughs> I don't know. It's if you, hard. It's hard. But I, I really am proud of you and I for contributing to this conversation with this episode. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's really important. Yeah, if this is, I feel like everything I've kind of like, bleh, like given out and I'm like out of breath from it, but it's literally all of my breath that I could have given to the topic at this point in time, right? You're doing your best you can at any point in time. This was, Absolutely. yeah, I feel like for me, this was my best I could give you guys and I'm happy to contribute to the talk and more to it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And we'll head over to After Chatter. Let's do it. And I'll, uh, I'll get some more personal stuff out there. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this is one of our longest episodes, but it needed to be. Oh yeah. This is definitely one of our longest episodes. And it's, I mean, there's, like we said, we could have like three or four episodes on this Mm -hmm. topic. Um, and if you want to hear more about anything at all, definitely come over to Patreon. We have the free Patreon community and everything that you hear free on the show week to week is on the Patreon and you can just jump in at any time. So anything you want to hear, anything you want to know, we'd love to, we'd love to know. And we will, we will get on that for you guys because this is such an important topic and we're opening it up for discussion as we do with everything. But if there's something you want to know more about, if you want to share your story, we'd love to hear it. Um, But we're going to head over to the Crafty Ass Female After Chatter and open up a little bit more. You can check that out on patreon.com slash craftyassfemale. And if you love us and you think that we're awesome and you want to help us out, you can go over to iTunes and leave a rating and a written review. It really does help us. So if anything that we've said today resonates with you at all, leave us an awesome rating and written review and we will love you forever. And we will catch you next Monday at 6 o'clock in the morning with a cool episode on what we're doing in the future where we're taking this show um and some cool awesome new guests that we're bringing on oh my god guys you won't believe it it is going to be amazing we will talk to you next week and see you over on the after chatter show if you are going to come and catch us over there bye guys bye